Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Ariana Prail in Fermina Kim. Mountains in bone-dry arroyos, orange groves up against busy through streets, warehouses, and deeply contented new transplants. That's some of what LA Times staff writer Tyrone Beeson encountered as he explored California's vast inland empire, a region that's becoming home to more and more people of color who've left costly white majority coastal cities. We'll talk with Beeson about the IE and how it's changing. This is Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in Fermina Kim. My ideas about the Inland Empire have always been seeded with a prickly skepticism, writes Tyrone Beeson in the latest installment of his L.A. Times series, My Country. But as Beeson immersed himself in the vast region, he discovered a bygone California of orange trees and wild burrows that's drawing more and more people of color to its more affordable living. In fact, while California as a whole was losing residents just over a quarter million between 2020 and 2021, according to reporting from the L.A. Times, some counties were gaining them. The county with the biggest increase, Riverside County and the Inland Empire. Joining me now to talk about his journeys in the IE and how migration is reshaping the region racially, politically and culturally is Tyrone Beeson, staff writer for the Los Angeles Times. Welcome back to Forum, Tyrone. So good to be here. Thank you. So for those of us who've grown up in California, like myself, the Inland Empire conjures certain things. For me, it means family and memories of regular family vacations from Northern California to see my cousins in Riverside as a kid. Shout out to my Aunt Barbara, who still lives there, Nikki and the boys, John W. North High School, where some of my cousins went, uh, my Uncle Wesley has a family house in Lake Elsinore. But as I just read in my introduction, you know, you're up front that you've had some skeptical ideas about it. So what did it mean to you before you did your exploratory work for this piece? Well, that's so interesting, Ariana, and thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, I'm not from California, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm a Southerner and I live in Seattle, so I'm still learning about the geography of Southern California and right. the various communities that make it what it is. I mean, it's just, I think I describe it this way. It's kind of like a puzzle. If you see it from, a, from, from above, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I wanted to make sense of a region that really I'd only passed through between LA and say Palm Springs, where I'd done some work last year for the, for the LA Times. And I wanted to understand what it was I saw from the highway. I mean, it's a very <clears throat> sort of pure 
inspiration, if you want to call it that, who's living there and why? And I already had seen these news clippings about the population growth and, and that people of color had been transforming this area for, for, for years. But again, this question of why and what would I find if I took one of those off ramps and ventured into uh, one of the communities? And what I wound up doing is taking a lot of trips out uh, into the Inland Empire just to explore and to get a sense of what it is people were moving into. Yeah, and how much of it did you visit for your story? Oh my goodness! And I, 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 in a lot of my reporting, I'll sometimes stop and set up a tripod or something and just record myself talking about what I'm seeing. And I just remember in one of those little videos, I reeled off. I don't know. There's the there's Highway 57. There's uh, like the 71. There's uh, Highway 60. There's the I the 10. There's the 15 and the 215. I was on all of these freeways and a lot of back roads in the course of uh, reporting this this story this spring. And it's funny because you can go from suburbs to warehouses to open range to miles of orange groves um, that so much so that it, it sends the air, you know, and I think that, you know, when I think about the Inland Empire, it's this sort of mishmash of elements that don't seem to go together, but somehow make make constitute a life for a lot of people, for the millions of people who have found a home there over the years. And so I had to sort of get over myself, you know, my stereotypes about this being a place that didn't really make sense and that from the from the outside seemed so poorly planned and understand that people can find their homes wherever um, they set their hearts, really. And that's very much the case, I think, with the people of color who moved out there. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, calling it poorly planned. So how is the Inland Empire defined geographically? What cities does it include? What subregions? Because it is it is pretty vast. So just to kind of lay that that groundwork for listeners who might not be as familiar with the area. There might be some argument about this, but what I found is that the Inland Empire constitutes more or less Riverside and San Bernardino counties, but you can't think of them as counties because they're enormous. <laughs> so if you can imagine going from, say, uh, the Ontario airport, which is, I don't know, about 60 miles outside of LA, east of LA, all the way out to the border with Nevada and the border with Arizona. It's a size, it's a, it's a, it's a landmass that's the size of like West Virginia. So we're not talking about normal landmasses here. It's enormous. And it goes from, as I said, pretty dense, relatively close-in suburbs, if you think about Metro LA, all the way out into the vast, open, barren desert. And there are communities sprinkled throughout, some new, some old. And so what you you started mentoring, mentioning some of the, the scenes that you were seeing, but what are some of its physical features, its landscapes that struck you the most? Wow, it's it's really compelling for me. Again, as someone who's learning about California and through uh, these these trips that I'm taking, um, vast regions of orange groves and these beautiful sort of golden hills that ripple out to the distance, big open skies uh, that are so crisp and blue. One thing that I can't really put into pictures, but the air is insanely dry <laughs> because it's right at the edge of the desert. So it has the, it's, it's, it's this area where the sort of the coastal mist leaves and the desert sort of begins. And you can sort of breathe the difference in the Inland Empire. Um, the sun is so bright. The mountains are golden in the evening. I mean, it's a very beautiful part of California. But as I said, you know, that sort of landscape has sort of superimposed on top of it all of the growth and outgrowth uh, of LA and its suburbs. And so you've got this kind of sprawl that interrupts these 
uh, beautiful sort of canyons and, and uh, expanses of orchards. And so let's talk some demographics. How is it changing demographically? What do the census numbers tell us? Well, this area is, this is not new, right? I mean, the, the Inland Empire is known, and this is what I knew of it, as it's a pretty rural and, and fairly white and somewhat conservative place, if you just thought of it as one place. But, you know, that's been changing over a couple of decades, and more and more people of color from the coast, from LA, Long Beach, and other areas have been migrating there in search of affordability. So what's happened is that the Inland Empire is now about 70% people of color. Um, very, very large Latino population. There are Black people, there are Asian communities. It's an incredibly rich area in terms of its cultural makeup. And that evolution is something that I wanted to sort of understand a little bit better, even though it had been building for some time. And what about the socioeconomic profile? Does it reflect greater California in some respects? In some respects, it does, because there are communities that where people are doing fairly well, you know, uh, and there are communities where people are not. In one community, San Bernardino, which is, you know, a fairly big city there, uh, the poverty rate is about one in four um, of the residents. So that's pretty extreme, actually, for California. But then there are other parts of the, of the region that are doing better. There are uh, whole subdivisions of retirement communities that I got, drove through that are that look beautiful, actually, and, and where people apparently are doing very well. But there's a lot of struggle, right? I mean, there are issues with crime. There are issues with poverty. Uh, I saw homeless encampments along the, the 10, heading out toward the desert, along the side of the road. You know, So some of the things that we deal with here in, in, in sort of more metro, urban LA, you do see pockets of that in an, in an empire. So I don't want to give the impression that everyone has found their American dream there. We're talking about the Inland Empire, its appeal, its growth, and why so many coastal Californians, particularly people of color, are choosing to migrate there. I'm talking with Tyrone Beeson, staff writer at Los Angeles Times. His recent essay for the Times is, In the vastness of the Inland Empire, people of color find peace in these troubled times. And we also want to hear from you, our listeners. Have you relocated to the IE? Have you considered it? Tell us why. And if you live in the Inland Empire, what do you appreciate most about it? Have you noticed that it's been changing? Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or at KQED Forum or give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And I'd like to add in one of the people you actually talked to for your story, um, Tyrone, I want to add her into the conversation, Fatima Nelson, a recent Inland Empire transplant and a community engagement specialist at UC Riverside's Center for Social Innovation. Welcome to Forum, Fatima. Thank you so much. Good morning. I'm yes. so excited to be here. So what prompted you and your family to move to the Inland Empire and where did you move from? Um, so we moved from Long Beach, California, um, where we had spent many, many years there. And I you know, worked for the school district there as well. Um, and a little apartment <laughs> that was actually not too far from the beach so that, you know, that was a pro, um, but I've got three children, 15, 10, and four, and a husband, and we were all kind of crowded into an apartment <laughs> for many, many years living in Long Beach. And you told Tyrone it felt like a homecoming in a way when you arrived in the IE. How so? It was so strange because I had never really experienced the IE, even though I grown up in California and um, 
what led us there was the affordability, like so many others. Um, so that started us on the journey of doing some research for the area. But when we actually got here and I finally started to visit and look at the neighborhoods, I was just kind of thrown by the, you know, I, I had no idea that this kind of little piece of suburbia was, was you know, um, out in this 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 far flung area. So we we just started to get more and more interested in it and did more and more research on the homes here. And to our great surprise, here were the affordable homes in California. We didn't think that existed, but we mm -hmm. found it here in the Inland Empire. And another thing uh, you talked about was how much you appreciate the solitude of the IE. Can you speak more about that and what that means to you? The the great value in silence sometimes, mm -hmm. <laughs> being able to um, sit in a quiet space without hearing. Um, I mean, I've always been a city dweller and I love the city. The city. I've always lived in coastal areas. So I have a great appreciation for, for cities, but um, experiencing this, um, this quiet, this stillness, and for three children who have grown up in the city, giving them an opportunity to experience that as well has been meditative for us um, since we've been here. And we're, we're luckily just starting to get used to it. It's taken some time um, for my little people to get accustomed to being still and using a backyard. Yeah. I mean, I actually have to invite them to, to go to the backyard. You know, Aww. we have peace now. <laughs> So, oh, well, I'll, yeah, I do want to ask you a little bit more how your kids are adjusting. We're going into a break now, but stay with us. We have Fatima Nelson, recent Inland Empire transplant. We also have Tyrone Beeson, staff writer at the Los Angeles Times. We're talking about his essay, In the Vastness of the Inland Empire, People of Color Find Peace in These Troubled Times. You can, of course, join the conversation if you've relocated to the IE or you're considering it, or if you've lived in the Inland Empire, what do you appreciate about it most and, and have you noticed how it's been changing? Give us a call, 866 7 8-6-6-7-3-3-6-7-8-6. I'm Ariana Prail in Fermina Kim. More forum after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in for Mina Kim. We're talking about the Inland Empire this hour, its appeal, its growth, and why so many coastal Californians, particularly people of color, are choosing to migrate there. I'm joined by Tyrone Beeson, staff writer at the Los Angeles Times. His recent essay is called the In the Vastness of the Inland Empire, People of Color Find Peace in These Troubled Times. It's the latest installment of his series, My Country. And we also have Fatima Nelson, recent Inland Empire transplant from Long Beach. She's a community engagement specialist at UC Riverside Center for Social Innovation. And before the break, Fatima, uh, we were talking about what prompted your move and, and also some of the adjustments that you and your family have been making. And I did want to hear more about what your kids have thought about the move. New neighborhood, new school, just new environment. What's that been like for them? Yeah, so, you know, we were really nervous about it. And before we actually made the move, my husband did this whole prep talk like the night before. And we were like, this is how we're going to approach the kids and ask them about this move. And when we did, surprisingly, these city dwelling children said to us, oh, no, we're ready. (laughs) Once they go. Once we had them come out and visit the home and see the huge backyard and my daughter for the first time um, had her own room, her own space, they were just ecstatic at the um, the idea of, of all of a sudden having some private space. And that was even um, with my husband and I still working in coastal seas. I was still working in Long Beach when we first moved here. So mm. you're talking about a two hour drive one way right? Um, every single day, um, the kids and I. Um, since then, we've, you know, I've moved the kids to Moreno Valley schools and I'm working like, as you said, at UC Riverside. And it's just the quality of life, um, the change in the quality of life. Um, that we've experienced over this last year has been invaluable. And Tyro Beeson, is what Fatima is saying reflective of your reporting in general, you'd say? It really is. Um, you know, with this kind of reporting, what I try to do is, is uh, reveal what it is I'm trying to find, which is uh, the story of America, the story of the American dream. But when I talk to people on these uh, trips, into uh, California, into California uh, nowadays, I asked them, you know, what did you find here? You know, are you, are you living your American dream? And it's funny, the, the thing that people said the most was peace, that the thing that they, that, that defined their American dream and the thing that they found in the Inland Empire was peace. I, it blew my mind because I didn't, I wasn't ready to hear that. I think I was ready to hear, you know, more gripes and complaints because there are issues, mm-hmm. but everyone said, peace. And I think that that is absolutely reflective of what the Nelsons have found. And when, uh, Fatima, when, when we talked about this, I mean, I have to say your eyes lit up because it's, I could see that you had found something that maybe you didn't even know you needed that much. And that's what I love about, you know, being a journalist. And so when I see people make a connection to place and find belonging and find this kind of quietness in the mind and in their in their ecosystem, because that's very, very hard for us people of color to, 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 to latch onto in this country. And I, I say that in the story. Well, let's actually go to caller Terry in Menacee. Terry, you're on. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? It's a good show. It's a very good show. And I'm glad you're doing it because I've been trying to tell a lot of friends of mine about this area. And it's, uh, pretty good you should you know and, I, and i'll try to invite people out and then oh that's a long drive man that's too far to drive <laughs> no, it's not that bad it's really not that bad and and 
and you should take the drive just to see what's around you. Mm-hmm. You know, and because I moved out here, it's been two years now, and I'd only been through this. I live in Menifee. Oh, Menifee, yeah, uh, sorry, there was a typo there. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, 10, 10 miles per, before you get to Temecula. And I'd, I'd been to Temecula before a few times for work over the years, but uh, I'd never had really slowed down to really check it out. But it's, uh, uh, I heard the young lady saying earlier how you could hear the silence sometimes. And that, that's really, that's really appreciating. It's like, you can literally hear the silence. I can hear bugs crawling across the sidewalk sometimes. It, it can get so quiet. <laughs> and uh, and the stars sometimes, like, they're right on top of your head. So it's kind of cool. Kind of cool. Wow. And, well, uh, yeah. I, 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 I didn't realize there was as many black folks out here as, uh, as there are. It, that surprised me. You know, they kind of I have to run up to them and make them speak, though. It's kind of weird. But, uh <laughs> It's really cool, though. It's really cool. Uh, cool. Well, it's a good blend of people out here. Yeah. Well, thanks for experience of of Menifee, Terry. Appreciate it. And, and can I can I say something? Oh uh, yeah, go right ahead, Tyrone Beeson. To the caller, that was beautiful. That's what I heard from people. Just listen to what we just heard. With all the chaos going on in this country, mm-hmm. he remembers the stars being almost like on top of his head and hearing bugs walk across the sidewalk. I mean. That is something that is so hard to achieve. I think for anyone in America right now, and that the end of the empire, you know, has been able to give it to them over a span of years, but certainly right now, I just think that's really special and certainly worthy of note. Yeah. And and Fatima, I want to get your reaction as well. And also, you know, I heard him, uh, heard Terry saying he's trying to get his friends and family. Have you, you know, have any family members or friends been tempted to join you? Oh, I don't have any problem tempting people out here. My family... <laughs> I'm one of 10 children. And so I have many, many siblings that are still living um, in coastal cities, Long Beach in particular, and they drive out every chance that they get. They they brave those highways and they come out into this heat because they want to sit out on a patio and feel the breeze <laughs> with me and and dream um, what we're hoping and all striving for is, you know, hopefully some of them will actually find an opportunity or a home out here as well, since it's, you know, it's changing quickly, the for affordability or level of affordability, but um, it's it's still a possibility. So yeah, I totally um, identify with, I mean, my children don't like the bugs as much, but <laughs> I appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, just driving my 10 year old to school this morning, where as we're leaving the block, he said, oh, mom, do you look at the mountains in the background? And I said, yeah, isn't that beautiful? And um, just the look of content on his face as we continued on and I was able to drop them off this morning personally at school, unrushed, unhurried. Um, that's what I'm living for. I'm looking for the, I'm, I'm living for that, that look of contentment mm. in people's space. And I know there's so many others that are looking for that same thing. Well, let's go to another caller, Charnel in San Francisco. Charnel, you're on. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, yeah, I'm in San Francisco, but I grew up uh, in the Inland Empire, the IE, as we also called it. Mm -hmm. And it's so wild to hear um, this shift 
that has been happening, right? Um, I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s, and um, as a black woman growing up there, it was it was difficult. It was. Um, I grew. I, I, we lived in Rancho Cucamonga, Fontana, just like right up to 15, and I was extremely othered in school. Um, you had to act a certain way to be, aka black, um, and yeah, it was it was it was very challenging. So like, it's so wild to hear this huge shift. Um, I still have friends that are down there and they tell me all the time, they're like, yeah, it's like totally different than the way we grew up. And I'm just like, well, I know it's not, there's no way. Like we had, you know, problem, we had problems with racism, extreme problems. Um, when I was growing up and there, and my friends tell me like, it's not happening anymore as much. Um, so it's nice to hear that it's, shifting um but i also know that for example political lines right are are haven't shifted as much um during the um movement against uh racism and uh with george floyd and everything and um the that one president that we don't want to talk about or say his name (laughs) Um, um it was a lot of unrest there, uh, a lot from um, a lot of Trump excited people. And um, I was honestly fearful for my family. Um, mm. So it's so interesting to hear. Yes, there is this peace, right, that you get from being there. But what trade off? And uh, I've been living in San Francisco for about for the Bay Area for about eight years. And honestly, I do miss that piece. I do. It's not as quiet, but I'm wondering at what cost, you know, is this? Would you ever consider, would you ever consider moving back at any point, you think, given the the shifts that you're hearing about? And and do you go back and and visit family still? Are you able to, to sense any of the shifts yourself or is it still... A little murky. Um, every time I go back, I I do see a little, a couple more people of color, which is quite exciting. Um, but honestly, I think it might be just too hot for me now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's yeah. There's that factor I, too. Yeah, I remember as a child the way that we knew the weather outside is if you just looked outside out the window and looked in the sky, and if there was any hint of a cloud then you put on a jacket, which is a cardigan, because that is how hot it is. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my little piece. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for sharing your your story, Charnel. And Tyrone Beeson, it, it does bring me to another aspect of your story that you talked about, which is looking at um, the racism um, that's been in the history of certain parts of the region. She she brings up Fontana, Rancho Cucamonga, which are places that you touch on. Just what stood out to you from from Charnel's story um, that connects to some of the things you learned in your reporting? 
Yeah, that was a really um, touching reminiscence because it's it's bittersweet, right? And I loved how she framed it as, you know, at, but at what cost do we get this peace? This was not always a place for, for peace for people of color. Um, in the community of Fontana, for example, um, there was a lot of KKK activity up until the 80s. Um, there were some towns out in the Inland Empire that were sundown towns, meaning that if you were caught being Black after dark, uh, there might be repercussions. And so this this history, you know, dating back to the days of Route 66 and beyond, is full of uh, sort of warning signs and red flags if you're a person of color. So she's absolutely right. It wasn't always a, a fertile ground for this kind of peace of mind and, and solitude because, you you know, we carry our blackness and our brownness wherever we go, often into hostile territory. And I would say that this was probably hostile territory for a long time. And so the, as more people started to move in, that started to diminish. It doesn't mean that those problems go away. Issues around the criminal justice system and around uh, equity. Um, obviously at UC Riverside, um, you know, the, the, uh, Fatima and her colleagues, uh, you know, study these things, these challenges that people still have. Um, most of the power structure there is, is white in terms of the city council representation and so on. So people are still trying to find their voice and assert themselves and, you know, make their imprint on the Inland Empire. Um, so it's in, in that sense, it, it, it has transformed. Um, and it's not like the old days, but she's correct. There is still, you know, there are trade-offs and it's not as if, you know, everything is um, hunky-dory just because there are lots more people of color there. Mm. Well, we're talking about the Inland Empire, its appeal, its growth, and why so many coastal Californians, particularly people of color, choosing to migrate there. I'm talking with Tyrone Beeson, staff writer for the Los Angeles Times, who's written a piece on the Inland Empire for his series, My Country. And also Fatima Nelson is with us, recent Inland Empire transplant from Long Beach. She's also community engagement specialist at UC Riverside Center for Social Innovation. And you, our listeners, are still welcome to join the conversation. If you've located to that, relocated to the IE or if you've considered it, tell us why. And if you've been a longtime resident of the IE, what do you love most about the region? What are your reflections on all the growth that's happening? You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or at KQED Forum, or give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And Fatima Nelson, I I wanted to go to you because I know you've had some thoughts in terms of kind of the political landscape of what's happening there, um, which I think kind of touches on some of the things that our caller raised as well. Um, can you s- share some of your reflections on what you think's happening with political demographics there? Yeah, and I, I'm just, I'm so happy that she shared that experience because I I really do feel as if it's a, like a microcosm of what we're going to see happening across the country um, with demographic shifts. Um, You have voices that have historically been vulnerable and marginalized that are all of a sudden part of major voting blocks. And it's it's having an impact. You've got the residue of, you know, towns that have maybe in the past have been more conservative, more white, more male-driven in terms of the power structure. But I have to say, in you know, my work at the Center for the, uh, Social Innovation at the School of Public Policy, I've had the privilege to connect with so many people in this community, the Inland Empire, that are just innovating at every level, um, innovating around what 
what I do I want my region to look like over the next 10 to 20 years? And instead of us doing what has been the status quo, which is people who have, you know, typically been part of dominant culture making those decisions in isolation, what we see is the community saying, no, we we know that our numbers are changing. We know we have lived experience and expertise, and we want to be part of these conversations about policy. If you're going to be determining what's going to happen in this region around housing, transportation, climate over the next 10 to 20 years, then we have to have voices of color and disinvested communities be part of the table. And so I, I have seen that happening um, in the Inland Empire at at a great scale. And I'm really excited about it. And, and I'm hoping that it continues. But I think I think people should keep their eye on the IE because the way that the politics play out here, because there's tension there. Let's just be honest. There's tension. You know, um, we've got the community who is interested in growth. <laughs> they want economic growth, but not at the expense of who has been vulnerable. Hmm. That the status quo is not acceptable, it's not sustainable. And the research supports that. So, you know, we're all about um, at the center bringing um, or exposing the community, providing them with as much data as we can, as much research as we can. And Tyrone is a huge part um, of what we call the narrative building. So. They're black and white numbers, but they need to come alive. And the way you make them come alive is you talk to people about what their lived experience is. And he has done an amazing job of highlighting these voices here in the IE. But once you've done that, then it's time for action. But it's got to be informed action. It can't be growth for the sake of growth. And I think that's what you see. That's the innovative part what you see happening here in the IE. They don't want growth for the sake of growth. The community wants um, smart growth. Yeah. Well, we're talking about that growth, the appeal of the Inland Empire and why so many coastal Californians, particularly people of color, are choosing to migrate there this hour. We have Tyrone Beeson, staff writer with the Los Angeles Times, and Fatima Nelson, a recent Inland Empire transplant from Long Beach. And you, our listeners, can still join the conversation if you've relocated to the IE or if you've lived there and want to share what you appreciate most about it. Forum at kqed.org is the email. You can call us 866-733-6786. We'll have more after the break. I'm Ariana Prail and Fermina Kim. You're listening to Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in for Mina Kim. This hour, we've been talking about the IE, the Inland Empire, and its appeal and its growth and why so many people of color in particular are choosing to migrate there. I'm joined by Tyrone Beeson, staff writer at Los Angeles Times. His latest installment for his series, My Country, is titled In the Vastness of the Inland Empire, People of Color Find Peace in These Troubled Times. We also have Fatima Nelson with us, a recent Inland Empire transplant from Long Beach, and she's community engagement specialist with the UC Riverside Center for Social Innovation. I want to read a comment for you, Tyrone. Um, A listener tweets, I grew up adjacent to IE before it was so named, Pomona. I'm sad to hear it's become a vast population of warehouses. I know you looked into a little bit of just that aspect of the landscape as well, and I'd love to hear uh, some of the observations and and some of the folks you talked to as well. It's a very good point. I think what most people might see if they're passing through on Interstate 10 or going through, uh, say, Riverside out to the desert on uh, Highway 60 or actually any of the other highways there is that there are a lot of warehouses. And I don't mean warehouses like we might see them somewhere in L.A. These are one to two million square feet, um, block after block. Most people in L.A. may not realize that a lot of the goods that are shipped into and out of our area go right through this particular region. And it is a logistics hub, one of the biggest in the country, one of the, one of the busiest um, in the world. And it's because of this that you're seeing a lot of the sort of housing development spring up um, along those highways. And so those houses and those businesses uh, need people and it's driving population growth uh, to a large degree. There are other industries there, but the warehouse industry and the logistics and sort of distribution industries have really transformed the landscape. Uh, a lot of those sort of vast plains that I was talking about, sort of old farms and what have you, have now become industrial parks. And that has uh, real implications because the workers there obviously are going to be, uh, in many cases, uh, lower skilled workers. I spoke to one gentleman who was so afraid of repercussions from his own employer that he wouldn't allow me to use his last name in the story, but what he told me was really heartbreaking about the kinds of uh, sort of exploitation, the feeling that he was expendable, you know, basically Mm. if you can't do the job, if you can't pull those overtime shifts, well, let's find somebody at the temp agency who can replace him. And always living on the edge and the fringe of um, of this growth and this prosperity. Um, he himself was a, pe- a person of color and had been working out there for years. And I asked him directly one t- uh, at the end of our interview, um, do you think you're living the, the American dream? Do you think you can ever get it? Uh, working these shifts and then cleaning offices late at night to help compensate the family's uh, uh, income. And he just sort of clasped his hands and I could see there were tears in his eyes and he's got a 10 year old daughter and I could see that he was thinking about her and you know, he just said very quietly, no. And he, he pleaded with politicians and with um, business um, executives to think about people like him, people who want to live in the Inland Empire, who have nothing against it, but who, as I think Fatima said, who don't want their lives to be placed at risk 
or minimized as others pursue the growth. He wants to be a part of the change in a, in, in a, in a positive way, but can't seem to make it fit. And I think you're gonna find a lot of people there who have to deal with the pressure of making ends meet, of finding that peace of mind that, that may come a little bit more easily for others who've migrated there. But the warehouse industry, I think, um, has so dominated the conversation recently and, and justifiably so, because this is an incredibly important region economically for the state. And that comes with it, you know, certain questions that policymakers are going to have to address and that are, you know, have tried to address. Right. And to quote your piece, you say only about one in four Inland Empire jobs pays enough for a family to cover its basic needs. Uh, well, I had reached out to my friend, uh, Michelle, who grew up in Riverside and now lives in Fontana with her family. And when I told her we'd be talking about the IE today, she had a couple of comments to share. And the first one she wrote, I've heard there's some effort to have the IE secede from California. The Inland Empire is highly underestimated. There's an incredible amount of logistics and manufacturing that occurs in this area that is critical for state operations. And that actually prompted me to Google that effort. And lo and behold, reporting as recently as this week, you know, about an effort to have San Bernardino County secede from the state, which, you know, isn't likely to happen, um, but many are touting as a way to get Sacramento's attention and, and to get more respect for the role the county plays in the state. I know that wasn't a part of your story, but, you know, what do you think that impulse? Yeah, there, you know, there's an impulse behind that. I'm just curious if you have any reflections on on kind of that feeling of, of wanting to, to get acknowledgement for, for a role and maybe feeling overlooked for a long time. You know, I, I, I think I can identify with that in some ways because I also didn't know how quite to relate to the Inland Empire. And I, I, I only saw what I saw passing through. So I'll speak just to that impetus. You know, I, I think the sense of wanting some respect, wanting to be recognized as a viable and vital part of the state of California's economy uh, and its sort of cultural life. I think that's really important. And that's what I discovered there too. And I, I developed a whole new level of respect, I think, for the people who live there, for the ways in which this particular region uh, tell us something about the state and about the movement of people People in this country, you know, people of color in particular, looking for that American dream, looking for recognition, um, wanting a say in their own affairs. And, um, you know, that plays out in places like this, too, that, that seems so new and fresh and, and recently formed. But in fact, this has been a viable and vital region for, for decades. Uh, it's been an industrial center for so long. And I think that that feeling of wanting, wanting the recognition is, um, is, is strong out there and uh, justifiably so. They're very important to the state. So another comment um, that my friend Michelle had shared was, so many areas of the West End of the IE were once considered best kept secrets for comfort and quality of life, as good as it gets in suburbia. But even those areas are super crowded now, definitely not affordable like they used to be. Fatima Nelson, I know you're not necessarily doing like a whole demographic analysis of, you know, the the changes um, with this because it's, you know, you're, you have your own personal experience. But have you seen, have you kind of seen the start of maybe some of that, um, I guess, crowding um, that, that my friend describes? Or is that maybe just in select places as, as far as you're aware? From what I can see, it seems like it's select places. Um, you know, the, the, the population has grown, I think it was 76% or something, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, the past couple of years. Um, so we are going in, there's just not as much housing. So you, you're going to see a huge impact. I don't think we've, we've 
really seeing what is um, this latest wave is going to do in terms of congestion and overcrowding. Um, and, and I did mention that housing prices are going up some, so that level of affordability is changing a bit. Um, but at this point, it still feels like that perfect combination of urban and rural to me, and it still feels wide open and vast and expansive, and there's a lot of room for growth. Okay. Well, let's go to caller Leela in Walnut Creek. Leela, you're on. Yes, hi. I just called to say uh, thanks for bringing the in- Inland Empire to attention. And I went to University of Redlands there um, and got my undergrad. And I also went to uh, Cal State San Bernardino and got my master's there. So a lot of wonderful universities, including uh, UC Riverside. So I see the um, appeal for folks coming there. One of the concerns I have and one of the one of the many reasons I moved out of the IE um, was because of uh, the high um, air pollution that's there. Um, and from the reports that I had heard was that the Santa Ana winds carry all of the pollution from L.A. into the Inland Empire. And it makes it so that the air there is actually um, so toxic to the people who live there that it actually takes off 10 years of your life for living it uh, if you spend your life there in the IE. And with uh, brown and black people like myself coming in there, um, to me, I have some concerns about these communities being built in areas that may not actually be um, healthy for us to live in um, and then us being pushed out to these areas because they're, you know, um, touted as being more affordable um, and for amenities and jobs, um, low-wage jobs to be built in these communities and build out these communities when in reality, you know, um, it may actually be an unhealthy environment to live in, um, not to mention the huge um, meth epidemic uh, that is out there that impacts all of the folks that live there. And yes, the racism there was out of control, uh, nothing like I've seen, and I've lived all over California. Um, so I would love to hear the comments um, uh, that you have about those statements. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lila, for sharing your perspective. Tyrone Beeson, do you have any reflections on what Lila shared? Yes, it's absolutely true. I mean, the, the, because of where it is located, um, and it's just sort of this throughway for so many semi-trucks and things like that going back and forth, the air pollution issue has come to the attention of environmental activists who've been working with and in many cases protesting against um, local officials um, in the in empire to bring this to the top of the agenda. And it's the, the, the same old thing. I mean, you see this in cities around, the, in metro areas around the country where people of color live in close proximity to air that's polluted, um, to water that is uh, contaminated. And so those are issues that the Inland Empire with all of its growth are gonna have to deal with. And that has certainly been brought to the attention of, uh, of, of local officials, mayors and city council uh, folks, because you, Again, there's this trade-off. It, certainly, there has been um, affordable housing available, and that's you know uh, maybe not as affordable as it was before. But at what price will you get affordability? And again, this geographic location—it's hemmed in by you know we've got a, a range of mountains on one side, rising almost 10,000 feet, and you've got sort of the desert out in one another direction. You've got highways crisscrossing through, and you have the pollution from LA that sometimes drifts into the Inland Empire from you know from the coast into the desert. So this is sort of a volatile mix. And again, it's one of those things that 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 made me skeptical about whether the Inland Empire was truly a place for people of color and others to find their their American dream. Um, and it's it's an ongoing issue. 
Well, a couple more listener comments. Linda writes, I moved to the IE about two years ago, and as someone who was blind, I'm always trying to, quote, fit in. I know that this area is very conservative. I live in Menifee. In saying this, however, people, including my neighbors, have been so kind. It's wonderful and refreshing to know that I do fit in this area. And Roberta writes, I moved to Moreno Valley in 1988 from Costa Mesa. I never looked back. I didn't like the pretentiousness of the OC. I just wanted to update that the homeless camp along Freeway 10 in the Beaumont area has been removed and several tiny houses have been put up, which I was really happy to see. And just a reminder to our listeners that we're talking about the Inland Empire, its appeal, its growth, and why so many coastal Californians, particularly people of color, are choosing to migrate here. And joining me is Tyrone Beeson, a staff writer at the Los Angeles Times, and Fatima Nelson, a recent Inland Empire transplant herself from Long Beach. You're listening to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in Fermina Kim. Let's go to another caller. We have Eddie in Corona with us. Eddie, you're on. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I actually moved out here uh, about uh, 10 years ago, uh, year 2000, right after the first housing crash. And before I moved out here, um, you know, I lived in the San Gabriel Valley in Temple City specifically. And being uh, Asian male, I spent most of my, you know, life out in the L.A. or O.C. area. And the perception back then was IE is the armpit of Southern California. Um, why would anybody want to move out there? Well, you know, one reason is uh, I bought a foreclosed home in the mid-200s back then, and that was the best investment. But what really surprised me was the quality of life out here. Um, you know, the first thing I noticed, you know, within the first month is uh, trash days on Wednesday. You know, some neighbor was nice enough to put my trash cans nicely back into my driveway lined up. The first time that happened to wow. me, I looked around. I'm like, <laughs> what? where am I? But, you know, um, and, and going to that subject of, you know, it being a lot more uh, populated, that is true. You know, um, you know, the, the pros and cons of it is when 99 Ranch, you know, a traditional, um, you know, Asian supermarket chain opened on McKinley, that area was pretty much dead. Um, it was, you know, that, that parking lot right next to Costco was pretty much dead. After 99 Ranch opened, well, we basically, you know, see the effects now. Um, the good part is, you know, you know, there's a real ethnic uh, supermarket now. Um, and there are some, you know, decent restaurants that's popping up. So there's no regrets. Uh, I'm glad I made that move out here. And I'm glad I was proven wrong about the IE being the armpit of Southern California. Well, thanks for sharing your your story, Eddie. And Fatima Nelson, I wanted to go to you on that. Uh, yeah, did you have any sort of, what were your perceptions before um, before you moved out there? Um, were they were you hearing some of those kinds of, of things that, that Eddie was saying in terms of being the armpit of down there? Fatima, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Interesting enough is um, I, I never visited it, um, even though I grew up here in California, never had a chance to really, you know, come to this area, didn't hear much about it, except that there aren't a lot of people of color in that area. That's that was primarily what I heard is, you know, maybe not, maybe we don't visit that area as much. It's not as friendly. And um, but yeah, there's just been so much change over the past couple of decades from what I've heard from people who've grown up here and, and from what I've experienced since I've arrived. So I'm grateful for that shift. 
Nice. And Tyrone Beeson, I saw that you were uh, laughing a bit when when Eddie was sharing some of the story. Did you have any reflections that, that came through hearing him speak? No, it's, you know, I think people in the Inland Empire who lived there for a while understand how some people who are not from the Inland Empire might view that region. And it's really unfortunate. I think it's, you know, it's kind of, it's treated with sort of a, a gallows humor, but you know, the reality is what it is. And you can drive through many of these communities today and see people of color and see beautiful places of worship. Uh, uh, you see people uh, of color playing with their kids in parks and all of all these things seem so maybe small, so mundane. But as Fatima said beautifully earlier, that's the stuff of the American dream. <laughs> you know, that's what you really dream about for your family, for your kids. And regardless of what outsiders might think, um, that kind of life is still possible there. It's more challenging perhaps than it was before. And it wasn't particularly easy given the racism and other issues before. But um, I had to just take that for what it was and really uh, appreciate that people have found something there that, that really seeped into them and uh, uh, made them want to put down their roots there. Yeah. Well, Tyrone, your My Country series has now racked up more than a few articles. We last had you on to speak about the inlet wine country community of Los Robles. And I'm just curious, just briefly, because we're, we're coming up on the end, what connections, if any, you're drawing between these communities you're profiling and, and where you might be headed next? Well, to me, the thread, because, you know, each story is reported from a different place, but we're all in the United States of America at a fraught time uh, with culture wars and racial tension, and we're seeing that flare up in so many different ways. And what people want is to have a life. They want to belong to this country. They want to feel at home here, wherever they live in California. Um, people want to feel safe in their skin uh, and to have the freedom to be who they are. And my stories all sort of tap into this fundamental need, I think, and as an essential promise that America makes to its people, right? And at what cost? <laughs> Going back to that question we've talked about today and who gets to enjoy that and who doesn't. That's what all my stories uh, try to look at, even as I move from place to place. Well, thank you for sharing your stories with us. And for this one on the Inland Empire, the story Tyrone Beeson, staff writer for Los Angeles Times, wrote is titled In the Vastness of the Inland Empire, People of Color Find Peace in These Troubled Times. Thanks so much for coming on again, Tyrone. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks. And thank you, Fatima Nelson, recent Inland Empire Transplant and Community Engagement Specialist at UC Riverside Center for Social Innovation. Thanks so much, Fatima. It was an honor. Thank you. Thanks to Susie Britton for producing today's segment. And this hour of form is also produced by Caroline Smith, Grace Wan, and Jennifer Ng. Marlena Jackson Rotondo is our engagement producer. Susie Britton is our lead producer. Our senior producer is Susan Davis. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Jim Bennett, Brendan Willard, and Christopher Beale. Our interns are Lulu Ralda and Paul C. Kelly Campos. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Ariana Prail in for Mina Kim. This has been Forum. Have a good weekend. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.